0: Hi, this is Eric Luty for the Daily Thunder Podcast. If you are enjoying these messages and want to take these truths even deeper, I invite you to join us in Windsor, Colorado at Ellerslie for one of our upcoming five-week or week-long discipleship training programs. Ellerslie's discipleship training has been designed to ignite your spiritual fire and to give you the tools for a Christianity that really works. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit Ellerslie.com. So, throughout this week, I'm going through a series called The Immovable Man. And we're going through five characteristics, qualities of what makes a man truly stout in his soul. This is something that is so critical for all of us, uh, especially as men, Uh, but I can only hazard a guess that any woman listening to this is like, yes and amen, let's get these men back. You see, even though our culture is attempting to ravage the idea of masculinity and manhood and consider it incorrect, it is something that God designed as a lead instrument in changing the world. And so when manhood falters, the world falters. And so as a result, uh, it is imperative that men get their game on. When men rise up in strength, the world changes. And so as a result, eh, there's reasons why I get passionate about things like this. The subtitle of this series is Built to Stand When Others Sit. It could have been Built to Speak When Others Are Silent. This is what's needed in all of us. And probably every one of us would raise our hand in here and say, yep, I need that. I want that quality that is that enables a man to rise up even though I feel like shrinking. All of us in our natural man state are wimps and cowards. And I know, there's some, there's some tough guys out there, but we really are when it comes to spiritual things. And we will kowtow to the pressures of the social systems of our day unless we have something in us that is different than the world. Because... God wants to conform us to His image, not to this world. So the title for this one is Living Low. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's an attractive title to many people, Living Low. I mean, living high on the hog is, is one of the terms. I don't know what uh, living low, uh, what the metaphor would be for it. But it's, you know, when you look at the description of humility in the Old Testament, it's like the bottom of a riverbed. And that, that's, that's where the water goes. The water goes to the lowest place. So water in its very nature is humble. Isn't that an interesting thought? It always goes to the low, and that's where we want to be. There is something that God is doing inside of us via the Holy Spirit, and it wants to take us into the low place. So whenever we walk into a room and there's a long banquet table and there's the seat of honor and then there's the lowest seat at the table, which, of course, we don't have that set up in our culture, Living low would always go to the lowest seat. Or one of the best ways for me is, say I walk into a room of a whole bunch of people, and there could be important people in the room, and there could be nobodies in the rooms, people that no one cares about. In fact, they probably wish that they weren't there. That when I walk into a room, I want to have eyes to see the low. I want to have eyes to see even those that are serving and waiting on tables. I want want eyes to see those that are overlooked because that's where God's eyes are going. And so God doesn't just gravitate towards the one who can pat him on the back and give him some uh, step up. He's going to go to the one who can't give back to him. And so this is a quality of masculinity. So throughout this week, we've been going through the five characteristics of strength that make up the immovable man. And it's been a good week. I've enjoyed these themes. So here's number four. He must be humble. A godly man It is imperative. It is unquestioning that he will be humble. There's no possibility that a godly man can be proud. Pride and godliness are like oil and water. They repel one another. To even enter into the kingdom of heaven, it takes humility. Pride is, for whatever reason, catered to even in the body of Christ today. We have leaders that will stand on stages with such arrogance, such pompousness that you you sort of wonder sometimes if God is going to strike them down because it's like that does not belong in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is built on the infrastructure of humility. So one of uh, the things I I always like to to ponder is uh, what the language of heaven is. It's not because I'm passionate about it. It's because I have an ulterior motive in bringing it up, you know, because there is a debate about it. You know, is it going to be Hebrew? Is it going to be Koine Greek that you speak in heaven? Is it going to be English? People argue all three of those. And I'm convinced that I know what it is. It's humility. The language of heaven is humility. Everything God does expresses humility. Just think about how he came to this earth. Just think about how he died the death he died everything about it is shockingly humble. He's God Almighty. He he inhabits all things. He is the most deserving of all to receive praise and honor and glory, and yet he is going to announce himself to shepherds that he has arrived. Shepherds, that's the lowest of the low in the Hebrew culture. He is going to be born in a Uh, whether it was a stable, it actually doesn't use the term stable in Scripture, but let's say laid, because we know he was laid in a feeding trough, a manger, so we're assuming it was probably a stable that he was born in, right? In the town of Bethlehem, this little diddly-squat dot, maybe not even a dot on the map, it's so small. And he is going to be raised in seeming obscurity. When he even calls his disciples to him, they're going to be the refuse, the outcasts. He's going to have fishermen and tax collectors? You've got to be kidding. Jesus, Jesus, think this through. This isn't going to look good. This isn't socially correct. And when he dies the death, he dies. He dies at appearing to be a criminal, hanging naked on a cross, a symbol of execution. What? He came and he functioned in humility and demonstrated how a man ought to live. What we are seeing in the life of Jesus is everything God desires to have seen in and through our lives as well. That's a shocker, isn't it? So, James 4 6, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God's entire system is built to push back the proud. He can't bless the proud, He can't prosper the proud. In the kingdom of heaven, he can only prosper the humble. He gives grace to the humble, and grace is what you want, believe me. You study the New Testament, grace is that enabling power of God, that work of God on our behalf. That's what we need to be mighty men. We need God and his grace. We need God laboring on our behalf to produce something out of these lives that is far beyond what we could produce in them. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, of course, familiar scripture, but worth repeating in a context like this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That is a startling thought. And yet, we've heard it so many times that we oftentimes fail to see the power and the significance of it, that this is the pattern of the man. That's right. It's the pattern. You could say capital M man, and you'd be right. However, the lowercase man is patterned after the capital M man. And this is the pattern for us, guys, that we are willing to forsake all reputation, if necessary, and to humble ourselves and become obedient even to death. And guess what? Even a shameful death on the cross, hanging naked. If, if God asks us for this, our answer is yes. Even though this counters everything in us as proud men. I can't do that. Jesus had his beard ripped out. There was nothing more shameful than to have your beard ripped out. Or maybe when you were spat upon spat in your face. Those two things, he was, had his beard ripped out and he was spat in the, in the face. He pressed a mocking crown of thorns upon his head. He was scourged. Everything that could happen to this guy, but how about stripped naked and then hung there like a criminal? And he is going to do this, why? To save us. What if God asked you to leverage your manhood to rescue others, to actually give life and to impart the realities of Christ to others? Would you be willing to humble yourself? You see, you're not gonna be ready to humble yourself in such a commission if you're not humble before you get to that commission. You see, God wants us to live in such a way where we're bent. We're not thinking highly of ourselves, we're thinking highly of him. He is the one who has accomplished the good deed. We are the ones that participate in his work and we are humbled to be chosen. He has condescended to wash our feet. How much more so should we give up whatever position we have, to wash the feet of those around us. The ultimate man pattern. So we could say, well, that's Jesus. Yeah, and we'd be right. That's, that was yesterday's message. But I'm going to give a different man pattern. That is Jesus, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is going to animate Jesus, which is going to express Jesus, which is going to convince all of us and convict all of us of the priority of Jesus in our lives, The way that he lives is such an incredible pattern because he is going to move inside of us and he is going to live out this life in us. But how does he live? What is the revelation of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, the nature of the Holy Spirit's operation, this is what's up on the screen, to work silently. You see, he's like wind. And wind isn't necessarily visible, right? And so it's a hidden type of work, which is a second statement, to remain hidden. And so, but you see the effects of it. And this is the way that the Holy Spirit has chosen to work. This is the way he functions. He's actually functioning in humility. He's to take the lowest seat at the table of the Godhead. Isn't that a funny thought? There's there's three persons in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is willing to take the lowest seat. But in the kingdom of heaven, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. He's modeling something for us. He's becoming a servant of the Godhead. The reason you know Jesus is because the Holy Spirit has revealed him to you. He doesn't talk about himself. He talks about Jesus. And you know what Jesus is about? Jesus is about revealing the Father. When you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And so all of them are serving one another. And the the Father is willing to have Jesus' name be exalted. Why? So that he would be seen. Every one of them is working together to reveal the glory of God and to rescue us. And the fourth quality of the Holy Spirit is, and as a result, he is often overlooked and often underappreciated. And we have entire churches that try and write this and oftentimes go too far in trying to make the focus the Holy Spirit. But the focus of the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. When the Holy Spirit is functioning in a body, the body is seeing Jesus. And as a result, when the Holy Spirit is functioning in our body as individuals, what are people seeing in our life? They're seeing Jesus. They're not seeing us, They're seeing Jesus. We become hidden. We're willing to work silently. We're willing to work in, in such a way where we don't get applause, but Jesus gets applause. This is critical to the development of a man. So all this week, we've been talking about the idea of cement to concrete. Cement, a bag of cement, has all the ingredients that are necessary for a strong foundation. However, it's missing something. One key thing from the outside, we know that is water, but when that is added in, that, out, that input from the outside, it becomes firm. So this week we're talking about that which needs to be added to this thing known as masculinity here in this generation, all of us as men. There is something that needs to come in from the outside, and that's these five qualities. Something needs to change inside of us. There are certain things that need to be altered, and that's where this list is coming from. He must be a second. He must be a first sufferer. He must be utterly dependent, and he must be humble. So we have one more, and that's going to be tomorrow's message. But let me just pray as we're closing that this would be cultivated within us. We wouldn't just hear these things, but that we would respond to them. Father, I ask that you would take us low and that we would agree with that lowness, that we wouldn't fight it, but that we would be willing to walk in humility. If there's a point of pride in our life or arrogance, anything where we are self-justifying, self-defensive, we are coming to our own rescue instead of allowing you to rescue us. Lord, I pray that you would touch that area and that we would make it right. Lord, I pray that humility would be the defining quality to us as men. Lord, we need strong masculinity back and I pray that you would start right here with us as individuals. Do something powerful in this generation. Raise up men of God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.